let's say you get some heparin, right, and it goes horribly wrong, uh-huh. you might need another drug to try and reverse the effects of the first drug, to reverse the effects of the heparin. If that happens, you can get a drug called protamine sulfate, and that is made from uh, salmon? Salmon. You said salmon. Salmon sperm. Ew. <laughs> oh my god. We're pregnant. Bro, do you even live? I can't eat another one. One is usually bigger than the other. That tastes awful. It won't hurt a Wait, bit. Why is it leaking? Did you Whoa. hear that? That's that smell. was not oh, there yesterday. Have a second of it's it. totally I'm my natural hair girl color. That's supposed to look like that? Don't worry. Deadly. Deadly. I'm Terrell. And I'm Iris. Welcome to Health Science for the Rest of Us a podcast where we take a super practical look at the body, its shenanigans, and the world of fascinating ways we try and keep it healthy. This definitely won't replace a trip to your doctor's office, but it may help you make heads or tails of how to live in your body better. More important than that, this podcast will help you look like a total badass at your next Facebook debate. You did it again. We can edit that later. Let's Let's do do this. If you've been keeping up with our many adventures, like the ones we had when we explored condoms in episode 23, or guinea pigging in episode 21, or homemade pregnancy tests in episode 8, you may have noticed that animals have been an important part of the human's pursuit of health throughout history. Even if you missed all of those other episodes, you've probably heard something about animal research at some point. If you were to close your eyes right now and imagine what that looks like, you would probably imagine animals in labs being used to test medical treatments. But did you know animals are also used to make the treatments themselves? For this week's adventure, Special co-host Chelsea and I went to a place called Stoff's Coffee Roasters to talk about the surprising world of using animal parts to make medications. In the beginning of our chat, you'll hear us mostly focusing on examples of common drugs made from animals. Later in our conversation, you'll hear us take a short detour to talk about the welfare of these animals. And then another detour in some bizarre thought experiments before finally taking a close look at whether it even makes sense to keep producing medicines this way. While certain parts of the conversation may be shocking, no parts of it are overly graphic or gruesome. You may feel free to eat your lunch while listening to this episode. You may also feel free to pause the podcast so that you can play along when you get to the part where Terrell started playing philosophical mind games that none of us actually had the solutions for. Since we recorded on location in a coffee shop, you will probably notice a little more background noise than usual and fewer sound effects than normal, but you should still be able to hear everything we're saying without any problems. Sorry in advance for sitting under the ceiling fan. So here we go. Uh, so anyway, there's 
it's sort of been this history yeah. of humans just looking at things we had around us and trying to make uh-huh. treatments and medicines out of them. Uh, we're still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Today now it's more sophisticated, but we're still doing it. Mm-hmm. And so no one's going to suggest that you eat a puppy, but these days when we talk about medicines and med- medical developments uh, that come from animals or yeah. the technical term is um, animal-derived medicines. Yeah. The whole point is that we're using, you know, animals' tissues or animals' glands or the fluids that the animals make as materials yes. to help us make medicines. So sometimes we'll use those materials as ingredients in the medicine, and other times we use the materials to make up the structure of the medicine. So you've probably seen uh, like the pills that have like the gel tabs. Yeah. So the, the gelatin and the gel comes from animals, and that would be an example of how we use the animals to make the structure of the medicine. But there are other examples where the parts of the animals that we use actually get used to make part of the active ingredients of the medicine. So there's that. No puppies involved Good. lately. <laughs> there have been puppies recently, but not, not super recently. So hopefully it's not too gross yet. <laughs> it shouldn't be too bad. I hope. Okay, so... When we talk about medicines that might be made from animals, do you have any in mind that you would think, you know what, yes, that drug, I'll bet that drug's made from animals? Hmm, well, well I know we talked about Premarin and mm-hmm. that um, that's made from horses' urine, which mm-hmm. I would have never thought that, but yeah. I thought that was kind of fascinating. Yeah, I remember when we even mentioned that in the first place. Uh-huh. That seemed so old school. I couldn't yes. believe that we would still be doing that in uh-huh. this day and age. Uh, it turns out we're doing it quite a bit. So uh, some of the drugs that we use animal products for have been around for like 100 years or more, but we still use them. So one is called heparin. It's a blood thinner. So we use it to try and prevent like blood clots so that you don't get a blood clot travels to your brain, makes you have a stroke or goes into your lungs, make you die, right? So it's this medicine that we have and it used to be made, it used to be made from dog livers. Oh, whoa. Yeah, we we don't do that. They would harvest dog livers? Dog livers. We don't do that anymore. That's good. (laughs) Because in the 1930s, we found a way to do it cheaper and to make a more effective and more safe drug by using pig intestines and cow's lungs instead. So today's heparin is in part made by these cow and pig parts. Now, let's say you get some heparin, right, and it goes horribly wrong. Uh You might need another drug to try and reverse the effects of the first drug, to reverse the effects of the heparin. If that happens, you can get a drug called protamine sulfate, and that is made from uh, salmon, salmon, (laughs) salmon. 
Salmon. Sperm. Ew. <laughs> oh my god. So the take home message there, I guess, is if you're gonna take heparin, you need to uh, go big or go home. Because <laughs> if it goes wrong, you might get a nice dose of salmon. Salmon. Salmon sperm? Uh-huh. Salmon. Tomato, tomato. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> That's nasty. What about insulin? You've probably heard of that one before. Yeah. Uh, do you do you know people who have had to take that or oh, yeah. is it yeah? What do you Very think? Common. What do you think that one might be made of? Okay, let's see. Uh, blood of another animal. That's a really good guess. <laughs> yeah. So the insulin is a protein. Usually your body uh-huh. makes it, right? Your body makes it and it helps us control how we process sugar. Yeah. So that we have the energy to not die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but some people have problems and diabetes is the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about people who might have problems with insulin. Uh, but if you need to take insulin as a medication, it will probably come from pig or cow pancreas. And I don't know what the plural for pancreas is. Pancreas is? Pancreai? I thought pancreai seemed like that would make sense. Uh, dogs are not off the hook, though. The, the way we figured out that this particular drug worked is we tested it in diabetic dogs. But that was way back in the 1800s, so today's dogs probably not so much. So some of the other products that we still have today that come from animals include a drug called Exendin-4. It's a, a type 2 diabetes drug, and it comes from the spit of a lizard called the Gila Monster. Whoa. We use it to help sustain glucose levels. Some people are using it for weight loss. Hmm. It controls glucose concentrations in the blood by, su- by suppressing glucagon which stimulates glucose release from the liver. It also makes you feel full, so it helps slow the absorption of nutrients into the blood to also help control glucose spikes. So I would love to have heard the conversation that led up to, hey, look at that lizard over there. (laughs) I wonder what we can make out of his spit. Like, how'd that even go? You imagine yeah. just walking through the woods, you and your friend, like, oh, look, look at that beautiful creature. <laughs> Catch it in the net. We can use its spit for something. Right. That poisonous so. spit will be good for yeah. something. Okay, this is what, ha- okay, we need to figure out how this happened. Maybe, okay, two people walking in the woods. Uh-huh. One of them has diabetes. That one trips, <laughs> falls on the Gila monster, and the spit goes in his mouth. <laughs> or in, in an open wound in the blood. Hmm. And then they take their blood sugar later and it's stabilized. <laughs> yes. Okay. And that, that is the story. That is the story of Exodent 4, in case no one else already knew that. You heard it here first. So another one of these medicines is called Captopril, and we use it to control high blood pressure. It comes from the venom of a snake called the Brazilian pit viper. Scary. So, yeah, my heart goes out to the people that have to catch these animals because I can only imagine. Another one is integrillin. We use that one to prevent blood clots and heart attacks. And that one is made from the venom of the southeastern pygmy rattlesnake. 
So probably no surprise that we can use venoms and things from reptiles, right. like turtles, snakes, crocodiles, lizards. But we also make medicines from mammals. Uh, there's one called Ursodiol. We use that one to treat liver disease, and that one comes from the bile of bears, which is weird because I think they have to try and take it while the bears are hibernating or something weird. Oh. There have been um, animal rights groups who have been fighting against this particular medicine. I think it's because the bears are hibernating. And yeah. It's weird. And then there's this other thing called uh, pancreatin, which is not actually a drug, but it's a compound uh, that was used to help develop another ingredient that is used in contact lens cleaning solutions. And it comes from no, the pancreas of the cow or the pig. Do you, you wear contacts, don't you? No. Do you? Oh, okay. But that's just, no, that's <laughs> not life-saving. Yeah, yeah. It, it almost sounds extra. We have to go through all that trouble taking animal right. parts to clean our contact lenses. Yeah. Uh, but cows and pigs come into play again because they also make these fluids called surfactants. And we use those in drugs that are used as in a matter of life and death. We use those in drugs to help uh, premature babies to be able to breathe. It helps to keep their lungs from collapsing. So maybe that will be a redeeming quality. A worthy cause. Worthy, more worthy than the contact yes. lens <laughs> solution. And we do things to birds too. Have you ever seen those pink things on the top of the rooster's head? Uh, oh yeah. It's called a the rooster comb. Looking. Yeah, that weird thing. Yeah. So we use that. Oh. <laughs> we use that to develop uh, some drugs called Synvisc and Hyagland, and we use those for a special kind of knee pain. We inject it into the knee. And then those ingredients also get used in medicines that are used for certain kinds of eye surgeries. Oh, interesting. And also to treat facial wrinkles. Hmm. <laughs> Leprorudin. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but it's another blood thinner. And this one is the blood thinner that you use for people who have low blood platelets because they're on heparin. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it comes from the spit of leeches. Whoa. Wait, heparin was from the spit of the gala monster? The heparin was from the... The heparin was the one that used to come from dogs' livers, and the word heparin actually okay. comes from the Greek word for liver, <laughs> but now we get it from pig intestines and cow's right. lungs. And if you get that medicine and you have problems and your platelets are low, then you'll get this other medicine that comes from the leech spit. So it's full service. Great choices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there's a couple more. Uh, there's a calcimar and a maya... Calcimar and Maya Calclin. Maya Calclin? Calcimar and Maya Calclin. Maya, oh, okay. Calcimar and Maya Calcin. These are both drugs that come from the coho salmon, salmon. They come from the glands of sal salmon, whatever. <laughs> East Coast, East Coast. Uh, but we use that to treat some of the post-menopause symptoms people might have, uh -huh. like brittle bones. And we can also use it to help people who have too much calcium in their blood. Um, they're also using it to see if it might be a good migraine treatment. 
The last one we'll talk about before we revisit this idea of how this even happens and what happens to the animals and when it's worth it or if it's worth it and who decides. Uh The last drug is cytarabine, and it's a chemotherapy. Okay. And it comes from the Caribbean sponge. Uh, I lied. There's another one. There's another one that comes from horseshoe crab blood. Whoa. It's called limalis amoebocyte lysate. And it's like a clotting agent in the horseshoe crab's blood. And we use it not to make drugs, but to test for certain kinds of contamination in other drugs. And also on medical equipment, like scalpels and stuff. So, I think we've probably talked about some of the creepiest examples of us in our modern technological age using animal products to make medicines. Did any of those surprise you or? All of them, really. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Very interesting. Were you thinking there would be a whole bunch of these medicines or like just a handful or? Did it I seem would like think just a handful. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that there's a lot of discoveries still to be made from, you know, animals in the rainforest, and that's one of the reasons they want to conserve some mm-hmm. of those areas as well, too, because you never know what the next discovery could be. Um, but just because I don't know exactly how the discovery happens and yeah. how they decide to yeah you know harvest whatever that substance is it just yeah. it kind of makes you think it's like that idea that they say no one wants to know or no one should know how the sausage is made because then they yeah. would never eat sausage again exactly. this is totally different though you're not going to turn down that medication well exactly maybe you would So, before we move on, we will just touch on how this all happens, how animals wind up in medicines. So, sometimes the animals have to die. This is usually the case when what we need from them is their tissues. They have to be killed in order for us to get the tissues to make the medicines. And pigs are a good example of that. 700 million pigs a year are killed to make medicines uh, and there's just there's just no way around that yeah it's because the thing we need they also need <laughs> in order to live yeah um, other times though we don't need to kill the animals because what we need is a fluid that they produce right. and so the animals are kept in sort of like lab environments and we we tap them so if we need their blood we can take a little blood every now and then sit them aside let them rest before we take blood again or you know any of these other kinds of fluids so those animals are not killed they're sort of kept in a place where we can keep going back to the well and then in some of these situations the animals are actually bred Mm-hmm. so that they can be used in this way. And in, in other situations, okay. like with the horseshoe crab, right. we have to go out into the wild and yeah. catch them. With the horseshoe crabs... Yeah, because they probably don't live well in captivity. That's a whole nother thing. Because <laughs> apparently, we don't actually know how well they do. 
They oh. take, what they'll do is the horseshoe crabs are, are taken from the wild. Uh-huh. They stay in a lab for a couple of days so that they can sort of adjust. And then they get bled every now and then. Yeah. And then after a while, they get re-released back into the wild. Ah. But uh, it seems like there's no formal way of tracking how well they do after after they are re-released. Medicine and research is weird, but yeah. that's what they started to try and do with these crabs, at least. They would have to change the laws probably to protect animals. So mm-hmm. There right. probably aren't a lot of laws that protect their welfare in the same way. But plenty of laws that protect ours. Yeah. Because I think right now... If you want to sell a new drug, release a new drug, right. you have to legally, you are legally required to test it in an animal model before you can test it in a human being. Uh-huh. So as far as laws go, I think they're probably slanted more towards yeah. our, our welfare. So I remember when you first mentioned this to me, uh-huh. I thought there were, I thought that there would be just a handful of drugs yeah. and that everything else would be like fancy synthetic. Right. I was not expecting that there would be so many. We covered some of the more common ones yeah. for some of the more common diseases, but there were a lot more. There are over 100 still being used. Yeah. Not just in the United States, but in other parts of the world too. Oh, and yeah. so one thing that I was thinking about and that I wanted to hear your thoughts about uh-huh. is does it seem like people know where their medicines come from? I don't think anyone thinks about it. Yeah. Um, that's something I didn't really think about. Yeah. Until I heard and I'm like, wow, that wasn't what I expected at all. Yeah. I, but I think people assume it's synthetic. It's something made out of a, in a lab and they don't really connect it to anything. Yeah. I think the other thing I think about is, I don't know that anyone has ever handed me a prescription and then said, oh, by the way, this medicine is made from octopus. <laughs> or it's like That's yeah. never, ever been part of the conversation. I wonder if some of the appeal of like natural medicine and homeopathic medicine is that mm-hmm. it is kind of very clear about this is exactly what it is supposed to be made of yeah. granted yeah. the effectiveness isn't there in the same way and well, it's they not have their tested own problems. yeah because they're not necessarily you don't really know yeah they're not required to label yeah. in a way where you know what's actually in there it gives you uh, the illusion though that you're getting like one particular yeah. substance yeah and that it probably didn't come yeah. from a pig so. yeah <laughs> right oh boy the other thing I was reminded of when I started learning more about this there's been lots of philosophers who make arguments about this kind of stuff and why we think it's okay to hurt an animal in order to save a human being and whether we really have a logical rationale to to conclude that our life is more important than an animal's or that the good of the group is worth the sacrifice of the few. And there's this piece, I forget what it's called. It's called uh, The Ones Who Left Omalas. It's called The Ones Who Walk Away from Omalas, written by Ursula Le Guin. It's about this fantasy town where everyone is so happy. Everything is just right. 
everyone's healthy, everyone's wealthy, everyone has everything that they want, and the weather is always perfect, and everyone's house is just the right size. Everything is so wonderful, except for this one member of the group whose suffering is so unimaginable that it cannot be described in words. And so this one person in the group has to be kept away from the rest of the group. And then as you read, it turns out that the reason all the other people have such good lives is because that one member is suffering. That one person's suffering, yeah, that one person's suffering enables everyone else Mm -hmm. to have so much joy and peace and comfort. And no one will ever go and try and comfort that one person. Everyone just walks by like they don't know that person is there. Except these two, like heroes at the end, who see the person suffering and decide to throw away their happiness in order to not be part of that system. They don't rescue they don't rescue the person who's suffering. They just decide to leave the community, which is a whole nother thing, I guess. Anyway, that long story was just to, I guess, is it really okay to sacrifice the few for the many? Do we really believe that? I feel like whether or not we believe it, that's kind of how the things have always been. Yeah. And our survival, our Mm -hmm. quest for survival. Yeah. Unless you're the one person at the bottom of the stairs doing all the suffering. Yeah. It's weird. I don't think it's right. Yeah. It's weird. What if it wasn't an animal? Like, we make medicines out of animals, and we say it's okay to use animals to make medicines because the medicines help people. What if the cure didn't come from an animal? What if we figured out that there was some special group of human beings whose DNA was such that their bodies could be used to make a cure for cancer or some catastrophic illness, would we still feel the same way? Would it still be okay to sacrifice the few for the greater good? Is that, do you think people would go for that? tell you what if I was that one special person I would not tell anyone about it (laughs) I would be extremely paranoid fair enough (laughs) so I think there would always be someone the few maybe looking to capitalize on things like that yeah Um, but I think the reason we have our laws and regulations is so things like that wouldn't happen yet yeah we certainly hope not so there are actually places around the world where people are trying to figure out ways to make alternative medicines so that we don't have to use animals and there is good reason to do that you know aside from the fact that maybe it's not right to use animals in this way you know maybe it's not right to take uh take all the horses and make them stay pregnant all year so that we can use their pee to make uh, hot flash medications or or post-menopause medications. But there are other reasons why we should probably be thinking about other ways to make these medicines besides using animals. And one of them has to do with the fact that, you know, for people who have very strong beliefs about animal products, if if a person... um, 
has a religious belief that involves complete and utter abstinence from pork, right? But they need a medicine that's made from pork or that's made from pigs. Like, how do we respect that person's religious choices if we don't have a non-pig option, right? So, you know, that's considered a good reason to be figuring out alternatives. Um, but other people have concerns about contaminations. There are certain kinds of infections that are really hard to get rid of, and they come from taking the flesh of one animal and putting it in another. She is specifically talking about a group of diseases called prion diseases, which happen when proteins in the brain go rogue and start telling other proteins to fold improperly. The folded proteins form clumps in the brain that keep it from working correctly. A person with a prion disease will suffer a variety of problems like trouble walking, trouble speaking, and dementia, before being killed by the disease. There is no cure for prion diseases, but they are incredibly, incredibly rare. Is that there is a mechanism through which it is possible, even if rare, that some kind of contamination could be transferred from an animal to a person because a person took a medicine that was made out of an animal. Yeah. So that's a concern that some scientists have, and it's part of the reason why some scientists want us to work harder to find non-animal ways of making medicines. Um, but the, the other reason that I think is pretty interesting has to do with drug shortages. Okay. So we said before that 700 million some odd pigs are killed every year in order to make medicines. 70% of those pigs are raised in China. If some, some kind of new swine flu were to sweep through that area and wipe out too many of those pigs, we would face a serious drug shortage. Oh, and yeah, we well, would have no alternative in some instances. Well, think about the fair. They had the two pigs with swine flu and they killed all of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they don't know who's got right. it and who doesn't. Right. So if you can imagine yeah. the world is depending on this drug. Right. Uh, and we have to wait months and months and months and months yeah, for like new pigs sort of to be rendered. Or something. Yeah, it could be devastating, especially yes. if it's for, you know, the drug we talked about for the babies to help them to breathe. You know, if you have to wait six months to get more of that drug, some of those babies are going to be in big trouble. So right about now, you might be thinking, if we have all these good reasons to stop making medicines out of animals, why are we still making medicines out of animals? What gives? And the answer is because nobody cares about animals. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, <laughs> the truth is that we have good reasons, but it's, it's really complicated to try and make these alternative medicines. Sometimes the alternative medicines don't work as well yeah. as the animal versions. Sometimes they have worse side effects than the other versions. Sometimes they cost way more money. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we don't have other drugs to reverse the effects of the alternative drugs. So we had talked about heparin and how if things go wrong with heparin, we have this other drug we can give you in order to reverse the effects of the heparin. There's a non-animal version of a drug which is similar to heparin and it's called Erixtra. So it's animal free, 
But if something goes wrong while you're on that drug, we don't have another drug to give you to reverse the effects of the Erixtra. So that's part of the complication with trying to figure out how we can make drugs that don't have animals in them. Sounds like things can go pretty wrong with heparin sometimes. Well, they all have risks. And, you know, if, if somebody said to you, Chelsea, you know, your babies, they're doing okay, but we think they might need this medicine. It comes from cows and animals, but it will help them breathe. Uh, we know you have strong feelings about animal medicines, but we don't have any other alternative. Are you really going to turn that down? No. Probably not. <laughs> or what if they told you, your babies are okay, but we think they need this medicine to help them breathe. The one we usually give costs $35 a day, and it comes from cows and pigs. We know you have strong feelings about animals, so we also have this other option that is completely animal-free, but it's more risky, it might hurt the babies, and it costs four times as much per day. Still wouldn't do it. Right. No one's, you know, we have to figure out ways to make it actually work. Yeah. Um, So that's part of the complication of getting rid of or replacing these animal-based drugs, which seems like it should be cut and dry, but it never really is. Based on everything that we talked about so far, Uh does it seem like people would be trying to invent new drugs that don't depend on animals or does it seem like people might try and just keep doing what we've been doing because that's what we've always done? I feel like they would be trying to invent ones that didn't depend on animals or maybe emulated something that they found. I thought that too. I was wrong. (laughs) Oh, darn it. Yeah, so you have all these people making drugs the way we always have. You have some people who are making drugs without animals or trying to and then you have these other people who are looking for new ways to make drugs with animals so there's research right now trying to figure out why alligator blood is able to destroy certain bacterias including MRSA which is a big deal because that's like a super bug Uh, and the alligator blood can also kill HIV virus so people are trying to study the alligator blood so they can figure out treatments with the alligator blood and there's this thing called a death stalker scorpion uh-huh. that has venom. And we're looking at that to see if we can use it to treat brain cancers, certain kinds of brain yeah. cancers. There's this South American poison dart frog. We're trying to study that to see if we can use it as a painkiller because its skin has right. this toxin in it. Uh, and have you seen Okja yet? What? Have you seen Okja yet? The uh-uh. movie on Netflix? No. Oh, my goodness. Save that for a Saturday night when you can just drink wine and cry oh, no. and not have to go anywhere. <laughs> and I won't spoil the movie, but it's on Netflix and it's about, it's like this future movie. Yeah. And this food company figures out a way to make a better pig. Oh. They call them super pigs in the movie. And they're trying to figure out the best way to raise these pigs so that they'll produce more meat and have less carbon footprint and they're trying to figure out how to approach world hunger with these special pigs and so they picked out like 30 of the pig piglets 
and they send them around the world to different cultures, different parts of the world that have different traditional farming practices. And they asked all the different farmers, you know, please raise these piglets in the style that you would normally use. We're trying to figure out the best way to help grow the pigs. And so they do this for 10 years. And the main character, I think her name's Mija, uh, her pig at her farm is Okja. Okja is the pig's name. And the story is all about what happens once the company comes calling yeah. to take the pigs back. Uh, but there really is such a thing as a super pig project. As it, as it turned out, I, was, I wanted to cry all over again uh. because it's the Mayo Clinic and the oh National Institutes of Health. They're trying to do these studies where they figure out the best way to grow super pigs so that we can use their organs for organ transplants. Oh. Uh, so I don't even know, I don't even know what to say now. Well, at least, at least there's a bunch of science people trying to figure out ways to not exploit animals. I guess there's always gonna be that one person suffering or animal suffering or that's the price seems like that's part of the price. What if it wasn't? Well, that would be great. What if, what if we could move towards that? What if the first step is that we reject the idea that someone has to suffer in order for someone else to prosper? But think about all the discoveries they've made from studying animals in the rainforest and you know, at some point a discovery was made that seemed so valuable that they prioritized that over this, you know, other being's life. So you're, you're saying like um, the ends justify the means? I don't, I don't know that I agree with that. I think that, I think it would be like almost a lie to think we could totally get away from that. What if that is the lie? What if we changed... I don't know. There's, I don't think there's an answer to this actual question. I'm just like, you know, throwing it out there. Yeah. Uh, what if the story we tell ourselves is that the only way for us to spread the greatest good is to sacrifice the few? What if instead we started trying to move towards a mindset where everyone gets more of the same? We've gone way <laughs> off topic. Yeah. <laughs> I just... I just think about paradigms that we have, yeah. mindsets that we have, everything else, or we have these mindsets and all these other things follow from the mindset. And we assume that these things that follow from that mindset are set in stone because we assume the mindset is set in stone. But what if we're wrong? What if our current mindset is wrong? Like this idea that uh, human beings are naturally violent. You've probably heard that before. People think, oh, violence is human nature. What if we're wrong? Global warming, that's a myth. What if we're wrong? You know, animals, they're less than people. What if we're wrong? We need animals to make medicine. What if we're wrong? What would change if we just, I don't know. I, I think about these weird things. Also, I couldn't find any, any examples of people using octopus. Oh, really? No, and we should use them because they're so gross and we don't, you know what we should be using? Mosquitoes, because who needs those? So now I'm a hypocrite. (laughs) (laughs) So anyhow, 
I think that's all the business I have about uh, stuff about these medicines made from animals. I guess we'll we'll see how things go in the next decades and see what kinds of medicines we end up with because we didn't even talk about cost that much you know what it costs for for, uh, affluent countries to go into these places with rainforests and to basically pick and choose what creatures they want from these other people's countries take these creatures out of the other countries to make medicines for their own countries yes. and how fairly are those countries compensated exactly so there, there's there's so many layers and it's just all i don't know another thing we didn't talk about is some traditional medicines that have beliefs about what certain animal organs can do that are not mm-hmm. necessarily based in science but mm-hmm. causes costs mm-hmm. of things to go way up and yeah um, yeah. They hunt endangered species right. for those, right. you know, like a tiger heart and sell it mm-hmm. on the black market. Mm-hmm. Really, truly, there's no scientific mm-hmm. purpose behind it, mm-hmm. no evidence. Yeah. Um, but yeah. they can sell it for a lot of money just because mm-hmm. that's a belief system. Yeah. And we, we probably condemn people who would hunt or yes. exploit an endangered species right. for profit. But if a pharmaceutical company makes a True. medication out of endangered species and they make a profit, is what they're doing any different because the, because the outcome is different. The action is the same. The only thing that's different is the outcome. In one instance, there's people poaching to make treatments that don't work. Yeah. In the other instance, you have people poaching, and they're making treatments that do work, but they're still both poaching, if yeah. we want to call it poaching. So, I don't know. There don't seem to be any easy, simple answers. Uh-uh. And I don't know, you know, this is a, it's kind of an internal conflict for me as a person who abstains from animal products. Right. Because, right, if somebody told me I needed heparin yeah. or my mom needed heparin, I would, I would just take it. I don't think, I don't even know that I would ask what was in it. Like, I might ask how much it costs. But now you might. Yeah, now I might. Uh, but I don't think I would think twice about it. I don't think twice about killing fruit flies in my kitchen. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Exactly. Like, I won't eat. I will not eat a steak, but I will kill a fruit fly and won't yeah. think twice. It's, it's just weird where our attitudes. Where's the line? Yeah, where our attitudes about things come from. But anyway, we went way, way off topic. So yes. <laughs> yeah, I definitely want to thank you for oh, thanks for meeting. So there you have it. It turns out it's super easy to trail off when you're supposed to be talking about animals being used in medicines. And that's probably because this topic is so rich with opportunities to explore side stories and rabbit holes that challenge us to think deeply about practices that we normally wouldn't pay that much attention to. Whatever your thoughts on the matter, There are a few things that we'd like to clear up from our conversation with Chelsea. There were a couple of times in our chat when Chelsea and I reflected on things like the ethics of using animals solely as a means to an end, 
or whether the rightness or wrongness of killing animals is based on the act of killing rather than the outcomes of killing. If it seems like we breezed over these side conversations, it's because there was more to them than the parts that made it into the final version of this episode. We had to cut things down for time, but if you'd like to read more about moral theories and how they apply to animals, you might like to look up two pieces called All Animals Are Equal by Peter Singer and Speciesism and the Idea of Equality by Bonnie Steinbach. The two works offer opposite opinions, so to get the full effect, you'll want to be sure to read them both together. The next thing on our list of things to clear up has to do with the number of medications that have animal products in them. When Chelsea and I were talking, I mentioned that more than 100 prescription drugs have animal ingredients. I double-checked that number. The estimated figure based on the most commonly prescribed drugs is actually closer to 74. You're welcome. After that, towards the end of our chat, I mentioned that the Mayo Clinic and the National Institutes of Health have been running a real-life super pig project to create organ transplants for human patients. It is true that the NIH has provided funding support to institutions like Mayo so they can study genetic engineering for pigs who may one day be used for organ transplants. But I was in no way suggesting that the work being done through these projects is anything like what we saw in the movie Okja. We will actually be talking more about organ transplants from animals and from other people in a separate future episode. So be on the lookout for that if you're into that sort of thing. In the meantime, if you're hungry for more tidbits on animal-derived medicines, you might like to check out a really cool photo album of all of the animals we talked about in this week's adventure, including the big blue octopus, which, it turns out, really has been studied at least once to see if its venom could teach us about making synthetic protein structures. Go figure! To have a look at the photo album, go to our website at healthscienceforeveryone.com, then click on the word, more. Once the drop-down menu appears, you can click on the words, internet gold, in order to see all the animals. Finally, if you get done looking at animal pictures and decide you'd like to know more about what animals might be in your medications, you can actually ask your care provider for an animal-derived medication guide, since the ingredient list on your medication might have the animal products shown under unfamiliar names. If that doesn't work, you can also visit the Food and Drug Administration's website using the link in this episode's show notes. This will let you look up the ingredients of practically any prescription drug or over-the-counter medicine you want. 
And as for vitamins and supplements, like the ones Chelsea mentioned, well, those are a bit of a different story because information about ingredients for these types of products is not required to be printed on their labels. If you wind up going on the hunt for animal products in your vitamins and you run into trouble, send us an email at info at healthscienceforeveryone.com. We would love to hear about your adventure and we may have a couple of extra resources we can tell you about to help you with your search. Well, that's going to do it for us for this week. Stay tuned, everybody. Please tell the other humans to listen to the podcast and write a review in iTunes so I don't have to go back to my day job. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Health Science for the rest of us. If you like what you heard, be a pal and spread the love by sharing this podcast with a friend. If you're not sure how or if your friend just needs some help, you can both get some quick tips from our fun YouTube tutorial. Just tap on the link in the show notes from this episode. To learn more about the show in general or to see some pretty hilarious health memes and videos, stop by our website at healthscienceforeveryone.com. We're also on Facebook in the group section and on Twitter under the name Health Science Podcast. That's all one word. For a limited time, Health Science for the rest of us listeners can save 20% on all NZT products at my online store by entering the promo code DARK42TOWERBEAMSUNSHINESTRAIN. No, no, no. I told you we're not doing that. My apologies www.irisspecialtystoreforthingshumansbyclairhealth.com Iris! Sorry. I'm hitting the button now. Is that how my voice sounds?